want you to know that we're in a, a series of messages called uh, The Power of the Cross, and we're going to look at uh, Romans 6, uh, verses 6 through 11, if you want to prepare your uh, Bibles for that. And um, have you ever wondered in your life, have you ever seen Christian people that you look at and you go, how come they're so happy? Anybody like that? And, and, and the reason you ask that question is because they're going through some really difficult stuff. You know what they're going through. And you wonder, why, why does there seem to be a sense of joy and, and a presence of uh, peace in their life as they're journeying through some really difficult waters of their life? And uh, I often think of uh, uh, the Ten Booms, Corey uh, and Betsy in that Nazi prison camp and the, the things that they write about and the joy of the Lord and the presence of probably humanity's darkest of uh, evils and uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it's people who understand that when Christ comes into their life, there is a radical change, that, that this world loses um, its influence to uh, dictate the inner spirit and the inner journey of man. And, uh, but can you imagine going through enormous life change and uh, then acting as if it never happened? I mean, can you imagine being married and then continuing to act as if you were single? I would say that's not a good idea. Just saying, right? I mean, if you have a child, you need to act like what? <laughs> you have a child. Don't, don't carry on as if you didn't have a child. That could be, well, it could be against the law, couldn't it? <laughs> that's right. Needless to say, uh, sometimes radical change in people's lives is difficult. How many of you would say change is just difficult for most people? Uh, we always talk about most people, not ourselves, right? Okay. It's difficult for a lot of folks out there, this change thing. And, uh, and so it, it, it kind of carries into our, our attitude about our faith. And uh, we understand that Jesus Christ has died on a cross and He's given us new life and He's forgiven us our sins. And, but how much have we really changed? I mean, I still look the same, you know, and uh, I still have a lot of the same temptations. And so have I really been changed? And uh, I meet so many Christians that... Um, uh, many times they just act as if the change that God has worked in their life is uh, minimal uh, in its impact. In many ways, they act just like people who have never been changed by the grace of God. And we're going to look at a passage in Romans 6 today, uh, but before we do, uh, I think we need a little bit of a context of what Paul is going to try to say in this passage. For those who have been through my talk on the two trees, this is going to be a little bit of a redundant uh, five minutes or so, but I want you to understand something before we look at this. You go back to the Garden of Eden, there's two trees. The one tree is called the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. And the other one is the tree of life. Okay, we get that. And I, I, wanted to, I want you to know all my life, I thought that these two trees were just God giving Adam a choice. Don't do that, do this. Don't eat that one. You can eat everything else. Uh, see if he can make it. And he fails. But it's far more than that. Look what God says to Adam in Genesis 2. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may freely eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. You see, God's making this really simple, Right? How many of you think you would have got it? We would have got it, wouldn't we? I got all this, and there's just that one. 
I got this. These two trees, they symbolize two ways of living. In fact, I would contend there's only two ways to live. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the life that understands that some things are good and some things are bad. I need to do good things, do not do bad things. I need to try hard to be good and try hard not to be bad. Anybody ever tried to live from that tree? Yeah, we, we, we're fairly well acquainted with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, we're understanding it because our first parents, they ate of that tree and we've all inherited this. We've all disobeyed and we've eaten that fruit and... Uh, the entire world system now becomes very normal and natural to us because it's the way the world operates. In fact, all of the world operates according to the wrong tree of knowledge of good and evil tree. Just think about it. When a, when a person's born and they're a toddler, do you have to teach them to be bad? Don't toddlers just get bad? They understand it. And uh, you don't have to help them understand that. You have to impose uh, penalties into their life to get them to do what? Act good. And so we begin from the very beginning to enforce the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in our kids. But this is the way we do it. And then when you get in school, your performance is evaluated and you get report cards and behavior marks and it's whether you're good or you're bad, you get a job, you get, a, you get performance evaluations, you're good, we're going to give you a raise, you're bad, you're out of here. <laughs> we are very well acquainted with the system of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Our governments, they, 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 they pass laws. Why do governments pass laws? Think about it. How can we have any laws at all? Because we're bad. Think about it. Do good people need laws? No. We have laws because we want to restrict your badness and we want to encourage your goodness. Tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Important thing to understand. Important thing to understand. God said what to Adam about that tree? Don't eat from it. He didn't say, I don't want you to live that way. He says, I don't want you to even know that way. I want you to live from me. I want to be your source for life. I want you to feed on the tree of life, which is representative of God through Christ. And I want you to every day come to my tree and eat of it and eat of it and understand how good I am and understand how good I make your life and understand my love for you and understand my power in you and understand the source of your joy and your peace. Live from that tree. I don't want you to even be acquainted with that system, but he ate and he passed it on to us. And so uh, I, I come up with these two trees, uh, names, two systems of living, the behavior tree and the grace tree. Behavior tree meaning I can do it. I, I'm going to be good and I'm not going to be bad. And uh, the grace tree, I can't do it. I need him. 
We could call it the morality tree and the relationship tree. The morality tree is me trying my best to be good and not bad. And uh, the relationship tree is I'm just going to be in a loving relationship with my Father through Jesus Christ. And uh, when you live from the wrong tree, your whole effort is to self-justify your existence. (laughs) You work hard to earn success. I want to be better than others, and I want to achieve goodness, and it can be so stressful, amen? It can be so discouraging many times when you fail or you fall short, or it can be so prideful when you succeed, and it's just built into the system. When you live from the tree of grace, you're you're just not concerned with that. You're a receiver of the life of God, and your whole... uh, daily existence is how can I receive more of Him and let Him pour through my life into the relationships, into the situations of my life. It reminds me of an incident that occurred in C.S. Lewis's life. Uh, he's a British author and a great author. I love him. And uh, he walks into a British conference on comparative religions of the world, and they're debating the uniqueness of the Christian faith. They want to know, what is it that the Christian faith brings to the world that no other religion does? And they're debating back and forth, calling on a lot of different ideas. And he walks into the room, and he listens for a little bit, and then he says this, what's all the rumpus about? (laughs) I just like that question. (laughs) What's all the rumpus about? you got to have a British accent, right? They told him they're trying to find Christianity's unique contribution. Well, he says, well, that's easy. It's grace. And they all turned and looked at each other, and they debated that for a while, and they thought about it, and they says, that's it. No other religion has that. No other worldview in the whole world just gives you goodness. You've got to go get it. You've got to act right. You've got to straighten up. You, 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 Christianity, through Jesus Christ, here it is. Here's goodness. It's an amazing thing, this thing called grace. Only two ways to live, by your own effort or by grace. You're either going to be a achiever or a receiver. You see, when Jesus comes into a person's life, they're delivered from the behavior tree. Amen. <laughs> we all agree with that, so we don't live that way, right? I mean, you said amen. Amen. We don't try to live from the knowledge of good and evil in our Christian experience. No, we don't do that. We draw all of our source from Jesus Christ, and we're not trying to self-justify through good ministry participation and church attendance and tithing. Right? Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, 1 says that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. And I think there's not a better way to describe the former bad tree world system than dead, lifeless. It's all about achievement, success, beating the other guy, making a name for yourself, protecting your image. It's all about making sure others comply with the rules because if you have to, boy, they better. It's all filled with judging one another, hating opponents, winning. Are you acquainted with this system? 
As a believer, you've been delivered, you've been, given from, you've been given the fruit from the tree of life, and His name is Jesus, and He has forgiven your sins, every last one of them, but He has also delivered you from the body of sin. This inherited must sin, have to, compelled, can't help myself, inclination that I'm just, sin is a part of me, sin is me. And Paul in Romans 6 is laying out this great new life of what Jesus actually does in a person. So why would you act as if it didn't happen? Verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. Just think of that phrase for a second. Our old self was crucified with Christ in order that our body of sin, that nature, that inclination, that bent, that must sin kind of thing in us will be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. And if we've died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over Him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. And we're his, and we're part of that. And so it says, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You ended something and you began something. And it says, in order that the body of sin might be done away with, it was crucified. God didn't try to come in and work with the old Jew, did he? He came in to kill the old you. And the phrase done away with is that Greek word katargeo, which means to be rendered idle, useless. Some translate it as being destroyed, ceasing to exist, becoming of no effect. So at the cross, you've been delivered from the penalty of sin. You don't have to pay the price for your sin because of Jesus Christ. His death has paid your price. You have been redeemed, purchased at a price, and you've been freed from the power of sin, the have-to bent that we're born with. But here's the problem. We can know that all day, but so many live as if that's just not true for me. So many just live like they used to. They've just used the old system to try to get Christianity to work. And to be quite honest, the church sometimes doesn't really help us much. It, it, It feeds this behavior approach to Christianity. See if this has ever been an experience that you might have had. Someone becomes a new believer and uh, other Christians gather around them and let them know of now how life is going to be different for them. And they say, you know, there's a lot of things you just, now that you're a Christian, now that you've taken this step, you're going to have to stop doing some things. No more cussing. None. God doesn't like that. Drinking? Whoa. Now, 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 drinking, we've come a long way about drinking. We've been able to parse the Scripture enough to know that a few nightcaps are okay. 
right? But you better watch it. You better watch it really close. We want you to keep a close eye on your daily sin totals. And as you grow in Christ, you'll get better on our sin elimination discipleship program. It's funny, but we've all lived it in one way or another. And there's a lot of things you need to start doing. You need to set your alarm an hour earlier every morning because now it's required for an hour in the Bible and prayer. Every single day. Sleeping in on Sunday? Over. And you know the thing is, you need to sign up for a decent amount of ministries. And when it comes to money... Okay, true story. Cindy and I just married. We go to this church. We're going to join this church. We're new members. They bring us down front. We were the only ones joining that day. Later, I realized why we're the only ones. No, but (laughs) we're joining the church that day, and they introduce us, and they just got married, and... uh, um, we're standing there, and they says, we have something for you. And they gave us a gift in front of everybody. Yeah. Isn't that great? They gave us a box of tithe envelopes. <laughs> that is a true story. Sometimes I think we get it mixed up. Watchman Nee writes this. This is a powerful paragraph, folks. Just listen close. God's way of deliverance is altogether different from man's way. (laughs) I would say so. He goes on and says, man's way is to try to suppress sin by seeking to overcome it. God's way is to remove the sinner. Done away with. Many Christians mourn, maybe this has been your experience, I I live this. Many Christians mourn over their weakness, thinking that if they were only stronger, all would be well. The idea that because failure to lead a holy life is due to our impotence, something more is therefore demanded of us, leads naturally to this false conception of the way of deliverance. But this is altogether wrong. This is not Christianity, he says. God's means of delivering us from sin is not by making us stronger and stronger, but by making us weaker and weaker. He says, that is surely rather a peculiar way of victory, you say. But it is the divine way. God sets us free from the dominion of sin, not by strengthening our old man, but by killing him. I say, amen, (laughs) amen, good riddance. (laughs) Because the old man is living in this system that brings such heartache and pain and stress and knowledge of good and evil. So here's, here's my advice today. Do not live the Christian life on the wrong tree. It doesn't work. Amen. If you would like examples, come and see me. I have a whole bunch. 
of how it does not work. And I would suggest that most of us, if not all of us, have tried it and failed. We've tried to eliminate our sin and we've tried to be righteous and we have lost the battle. Even on the days where your sin count is low. (laughs) Maybe your sin count is zero. And the acts of righteousness count is high. We find ourselves proud of our score. (laughs) And uh uh-oh, what? (laughs) Pride's a sin. You see, we just haven't understood how radically changed how radically delivered we are in Christ. Steve McVeigh wrote a book called Grace Walk, and I go back to these truths from that book a lot, and uh, here's, here's, his, here's how he starts the book. This is chapter one. Improving your behavior will not give you victory in the Christian life. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? And I will tell you this, I tell you this a lot, but... Uh, this may hurt. Jesus is not counting on you to live the Christian life. He knows you and I don't have what it takes. He, 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 in fact, in, in, I'm saying this in all love. He wants you to get out of the way. He wants you to admit your weakness. Uh, no. He wants you to embrace your weakness. I can't do it. I I love my weakness. I can't do it. I love that I can't do it. Amen? Don't you love you can't do it? (laughs) I got to see you. I love that I can't do it. I'm weak, weak, weak. Amen. Praise the Lord. Because when I get there, he is strong. Strong, strong, strong. And he's mine. Amen. He's mine. I remember when this hit me. I, it, it changed everything for me. I mean everything. I, I, I know you, you, you probably would recognize this right off the bat. I'm a really good rule follower. Right? You see that, don't you? Yeah, I follow rules really, really well. I was a good kid, wasn't I? Yes, there you go. Caused him very little trouble. Okay. I followed rules well. I wanted my teachers to be happy with me. I wanted to get good grades. I wanted my parents to be happy with me. Oh, little Davey, he's so good. And so when I became a Christian, you know what I thought? I'll be good at this. You ever thought that? I'm a good rule follower. That's what it's all about, right? I'll be good at this. I wasn't. When I tried to live from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and be good and not bad, all I was was bad. One day I realized that I didn't set me free. He set me free. I realize I can't live the Christian life. He can live the Christian life. 
And you know when that, when that hit me and I understood it? You know what I did? You know what I did? Relaxed. Amen. Amen. Relaxed. Woo, the weight is gone, all that responsibility. <laughs> I just let him begin. John Stott says, regenerate Christians should no more contemplate a return to unregenerate living than adults to their childhood, married people to singleness, discharged prisoners to their prison cell. Our union with Jesus Christ has severed us from the old life and committed us to the new. Our baptism stands between the two like a door between two rooms, closing one, opening the other. We have died and we have risen. And I'm here to tell you, folks, I'm never going back. I'm never going back to good and bad Christian living. I'm, I, I'm, 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 I'm taken in by Him and His life in me. In verse 11, he says, Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. And don't, don't get confused with this, the word consider. The word consider there doesn't mean contemplate, think about. No, that's not the meaning of it. It's... It's adding up all the, sum, uh, the facts and getting all of the evidence. You have, you have drawn the conclusion, I am dead to sin, and I'm alive to Jesus. Here's another statement from Steve McVeigh's Grace Walk. Living the Christian life can be easy. Amen? That was a mumble, amen, okay? You're going, it's not for me. I know when somebody says, not, not for me, I know that's wrong tree Christian living. I'm trying real hard and I sin and I'm trying, trying, trying and I'm still sinning, sinning, sinning and it's not easy, it's hard. And I would say that trying to live the Christian life in the wrong tree is impossible. It's not you living it. The Christian life is the flow of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ in our lives and through our lives. It's Him and His life bearing the fruit through us. Me, my self-efforts, my abilities to bear fruit, my attempts at being righteous and good, <laughs> crucified. That guy no longer lives. The life I'm living now, I live completely by faith in Jesus Christ because He gave His life for me. I belong to Him. So every day it's faith in Him, faith in Him, faith in Him. Galatians 2.20 says that. You may be here today and uh, you haven't become a Christian because um, you know you can't do it. I see all these wonderful people and how nice they are. I'm not very nice. Or I have all this sin. I'm going to, if I, once I get all this sin taken care of, then I can become a Christian. But I'm not, I'm not ready. I can't do it. I'm here to tell you, none of us can. Join the club. But that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. I said it last week and I'll say it again. Christianity is not a behavior improvement plan. Amen? I don't know what he did to him, but that's, you know. 
Improve his behavior, would you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Christianity is not a behavior improvement plan. Don't become a Christian because you think he'll clean you up and make you act right and you're going to, and you can do it. It's about receiving the love and the life of God, nourishing your daily walk in, on the tree of life and uh, his name is Jesus, and uh, it's about living in Him and sharing life with Him and singing with Him and laughing with Him and learning with Him and loving each other and just abiding in that special place. And yeah, you'll stumble and fall along the way, and His, just like a loving Father, He'll come along and He'll pick you up. And he'll, let's talk about that. You wandered off from our relationship, and yeah, you tried on your own, and no, it didn't work, did it? Come on, son. Come on, daughter. One of the missions that God has given me in my ministry is to open up my heart and life to the Holy Spirit that He can use me to see behavior tree Christians become grace tree Christians. That's it. If you want to boil it down. And I've realized that when we talk about these things, for some, it's really kind of scary because... As a behavior tree Christian, you, you, you might be led to believe, I've got it. I, got, I understand the expectations of the faith. I've got the routine. I've got the rules down. And uh, to keep your nose clean, sin as little as possible, do as many righteous deeds as, as you can. And when you die, I think it'll all work out. And all I can say is what drudgery. What unnecessary stress and what a lack of beauty and enjoyment. And Jesus didn't come in the world to deliver you from sin and give you a new life, to give you that. I always tell people, I became a Christian when I was 14 and I started enjoying it when I was in my 40s. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, as we close, I, I, here, I will not invite you today to recommit your efforts to be a better Christian. Aren't you glad? I'm not going to invite you to be a better witness, a better example. But I will invite you to know the joy of my life. This, this companion that walks with me through every situation. and uh, I, I will invite you to, to understand the, the source that he is for everything of power and love and joy. I, I will invite you to know my best friend who gave his life for me. His name is Christ Jesus. He's done so much for us. I want you to bow your heads. As the worship team comes and gets in place, uh, I, wanna, I just want to ask you this question with your heads bowed. And it's, um, 
How many of you here today would say that along the way, along your journey, you lost the joy somewhere? You lost the beauty of Jesus. You lost what it meant to have this divine life sourcing your every day. You were so excited when you came to faith in Him, and He he radically changed your life, but somewhere along the line, you've gotten, you floated, you drifted, you began to live from the wrong tree, and uh, maybe you just got caught up in trying to be a good Christian. If that's you today, I just want you to see Him. I want you to see Him. No, he's no longer on the cross, but Jesus Christ, uh, when he rose from the dead, he was left with the scars in his hands and he was left with the scars in his feet as this constant witness to us. I have done this for you. I died for you that you may know forgiveness and that as I rose from the dead, that I may give you new life and... uh, I have won your victory. I am your victory. The work's already been done. The battle's already been won. Why are you fighting so hard? Look. Behold who he is. The Lamb of God. Father, Father, we love you today. We thank you for the gift of this nail-scarred Savior who has given us everything. We praise you. We worship you. We adore you. Amen. Let's sing together. Let's stand.